It is good to worship with all of you who are joining us online, as well as all of you who are worshiping with us in person today. We are starting a new sermon series called Head Scratchers, Jesus' Surprising Stories. We're going to be looking at a bunch of parables Jesus told as part of his teaching ministry, and we'll be doing that for the next several weeks throughout the summertime. Today, I want to draw your attention to Mark 4. I'll read verses 1 through 20 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon is The Four Soils. Again, he began to teach beside the lake. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the lake and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the lake on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear Listen. When he was alone, those who were around him along with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. 
I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Of all Jesus' many parables, this one may be the most foundational. He says in verse 13, if you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand all the parables? There's something fundamental here something rudimentary for spirituality, something essential for discipleship. Thankfully, Jesus explains what the parable means so that we can understand it clearly. When the Word made flesh interprets the word he has just spoken, we ought to listen. When the Savior of the world explains his own teaching, we ought to pay Attention, when the Lord of Lords tells a story and then gives its meaning, we ought to be on the edge of our seats. The seed that is sown, he says, represents the Word. In short, the seed is the gospel message of Christ. At the outset of the book of Mark, Jesus declared, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Ever since then, some have heeded the word of Christ, while others have not. He sows the word all over the place, but it does not always bear fruit. If the Son of God is spreading the truth of God in the power of God, why would it have only spotty results? The answer pertains to the type of soil that the seed of the word falls upon. According to Jesus, the seed of the word falls on four different types of soil. Hard soil, shallow soil, thorny soil, and good soil. First, the word sometimes falls on hard soil. Seeds sometimes land on the path, the well-worn ground that's almost like concrete due to all the foot traffic. Have you ever seen a grassy area, maybe on a college campus or out on a farm somewhere, where a dirt path has been carved through the grass by constant foot traffic. When a seed falls on that kind of ground, it's easy for birds to see it, swoop down and eat it up before it ever has a chance to implant. In ancient Jewish literature, Satan was sometimes pictured as a bird. And this appears to be the image in play when Jesus says, Satan takes the word away immediately from the hard soil. Some people's hearts are hard so that the word bounces off of them like seed falling on a petrified path. The word is earnestly sown, but its potential for fruition is instantaneously stifled because of the hearer's unresponsiveness. The scribes and Pharisees, for example, in Mark's Gospel, gave no heed to Jesus' word during his public ministry. 
Time and time again, they rejected his word. This hard soil remains widespread today. Did you know that a recent Gallup poll found that belief in God in the United States has dropped to 81%. That's the lowest rate since Gallup first studied the question back in 1944. There are various reasons for this, to be sure. Some people don't believe in God for philosophical or scientific reasons. Some have suffered heartbreaking grief, loss, injustice, or tragedy. Some have had bad experiences with a faith community. Still others haven't thought that much about it. They just don't believe. In any case, when the seed of Christ's word falls on hard soil, it does not implant. The only solution is to soften the heart willingly to open the mind sincerely, to loosen up the soil a bit so that it can receive the gospel message. The second type of soil that the seed of God's word falls upon is shallow soil. Jesus describes it as rocky ground. The image appears to be a thin layer of soil atop a thick layer of limestone. <laughs> this represents people who receive the word readily and gladly. They embrace it quick, fast, and in a hurry. They welcome the gospel without hesitation or reservation. They are all in, all at once. They hear the gospel and bam! They believe it. They attend a revival or a worship service or a Christian camp or somebody witnesses to them and they accept the gospel word immediately. But since their reception is shallow, the seed has no root. It takes to the ground but develops no depth. And thus when troubles come, these folks fall away. They recede. Their faith withers beneath the heat of adversity. Peter, for example, had shallow faith to start. He was the first disciple to confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, right there in Mark chapter 8. But later, after Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and put on trial and things went from bad to worse, somebody said, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And Peter denied it three times. This shallow soil remains widespread today. Some love to hear about forgiveness and eternal life, but once their faith costs them anything, they shrink back. They hear the gospel, get saved, get baptized, come to church four Sundays in a row, and then you never see them again. They get excited about the gospel while life is copacetic, but when adversity surfaces and their stroll with Christ turns into a slog, they give up on God, give up on church, and give up on the gospel. Shallow soil wants eternal life, 
but not a transformed life. Shallow soil welcomes forgiveness, but not repentance. Shallow soil embraces the gospel's individual benefits, but shuns its social demands. Shallow soil wants all the security of Christ without the sacrifice, all the comforts of Christ without the cost. Shallow soil wants the sunshine of faith without the storms, the goodies of faith without the green vegetables. As a result, no healthy growth materializes. The only solution to shallow soil is to develop some depth. Faith must grow roots, deep roots, if it's to flourish authentically over the long haul. Along with hard soil and shallow soil, the third type is thorny soil. When the seed of God's word falls on thorny soil, it germinates, but it yields no grain. It has more depth than the shallow soil, but it's too crowded. As a result, other growths come up alongside the gospel and choke it before it can bear fruit. Have you ever seen a vegetable garden that's been overtaken by weeds? Have you ever seen a flower patch with so much overgrowth that you can hardly spot a blossom down in there? That's what happens to the gospel in thorny soil. This represents people who hear God's word with one ear, but with the other ear hear the beckoning of worldly concerns and wealthy materialism and competing pursuits. The rich young man, for example, in Mark chapter 10, heard the word of Christ plainly and was invited to follow Christ if he would sell what he had and give to the poor. But the man went away very sad because he had so much that he could not bring himself to give it up. When it came to choosing the gospel or other pursuits, he walked away from Christ. This thorny soil is widespread today. People hear the word of Christ and it implants and grows some roots, but then it gets crowded out by 24-hour news or self-help philosophies or talking heads. It gets overrun by the growth of greed or lust or tribalism or rivalry or worldly aspirations. In this soil, things other than the gospel outgrow the gospel. The pursuit of success outgrows the development of spirituality. The pursuit of a certain image outgrows the development of godly character. The desire to be big time overruns the small gospel seed problem with this in Jesus' words is that we cannot serve both God and mammon. We cannot put our hand to the plow and look back. We cannot choose the narrow way and the broad way. We cannot seek first the kingdom of God and seek first a hundred other things. 
The solution to thorny soil is to clear it out so that the gospel can flourish singularly in our life. As 1 Kings 18 asks, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Alongside hard soil, a shallow soil, and thorny soil, the fourth type is good soil. When the seed of God's word falls on good soil, it brings forth grain. It bears a harvest. It flourishes. The good soil is soft enough to receive the word of Christ humbly so that it implants in the soul. The good soil is deep enough so that the word of Christ can put down roots in our innermost being. The good soil is uncrowded enough that the gospel can sprout, develop, and flourish without being overrun by competing growths. The good soil represents people who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. They hear the word of Christ with eager ears. They listen intently and can hardly get enough of it. They accept the word of Christ earnestly. They welcome it, embrace it, and receive it into the center of their life. Then they put the word into practice. They enact the word of Christ. They embody the gospel so that it flourishes in them and through them. They are not merely hearers of the word, as James says, but also doers of the word. The good soil cooperates with the seed as it germinates, as it sprouts, and as it grows. The good soil cooperates even as the seed breaks up the ground within us and causes adjustment and discomfort and bursts forth, producing new life. The good soil is represented by the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 who reached out and touched the edge of Jesus' cloak and was saved. The good soil is represented by the blind beggar named Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 who called out to Christ in faith and was healed. The good soil is represented by the woman in Mark chapter 14 who anointed Christ's head before he died on the cross as the crucified king. It cost this woman a great deal, monetarily and socially, to pour out that expensive perfume in extravagant devotion to Christ. In good soil, the seed bears the fruit of a transformed life that flourishes even to eternal life. While there are four different soils, notice that the sower does not prejudge them. He sows the seed widely and indiscriminately on all kinds of soil so that every plot of ground has the opportunity for a harvest. Some might think that's wasteful because soil cannot change itself. But people can. People can soften their hearts. People can repent and believe. People can receive the news of God's kingdom with faith. People can decide to follow Christ and heed his word. People can decide what type of soil they're going to be. Indeed, Jesus seems to be relaying this very 
message. He starts the parable in verse 3 by saying, listen. He ends the parable in verse 9 by saying, let everyone with ears to hear Listen, the Greek word akuo, which is translated listen or hear, appears nine times in this passage. Bible scholar Feme Perkins concludes, the readers have some responsibility to avoid being like that unfruitful ground. Indeed, what we need to be widespread today is the good soil. Upon hearing this parable, we may think back to a time in our life when we were one type of soil or another, or we may be running a soil test in our mind right now to try to discern what type of soil we've been over the past week or two. In any case, today we can choose to listen to the gospel as good soil. We can choose to till up the ground within us and soften our heart so that we can receive the word of Christ. We can allow the gospel to take deep root inside of us, searching us and probing us and implanting itself in our innermost being. We can clear out other growths in our life and pull up the weeds in our soul so that no thorny overgrowth chokes out the gospel. And we can let the gospel break new ground in our heart and sprout new thought in our mind and cause discomfort and adjustment and new growth so that we flourish with abundant life and blossom in grace and bear much fruit to the glory of God. The seed Christ sows is always good. The seed is always consistent. The seed is always packed with potential. The seed is always rife with salvation. The seed produces a stunning harvest of fruit too, 30, 60, even 100 fold. This is a remarkable abundance. The math isn't even symmetrical, 30, 60, and we would think 90, but no, 100 fold. Such massive growth is not the work of the soil, but the work of the seed exploding with power. For when the seed of the gospel finds good soil, it produces a massive crop, a magnificent harvest, an extravagant yield, an extraordinary abundance. It produces a harvest of love, joy, of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It produces a harvest of power, a hope, a truth, justice and integrity. It produces a harvest of forgiveness, a mercy, a holiness, and righteousness. It produces a harvest of Christ-like life. Christ will have a harvest. That is never in doubt in the parable. The only thing up in the air is whether we will be part of it. And that, my friends, is up to us. Amen.